Hello and welcome to Fundamental Value, a journey to quantify crypto. I'm your host, Joshua Frank, co-founder and CEO of The Tie. On Fundamental Value, we speak with the leading hedge funds, analysts, trading venues, and digital asset market participants. Our goal is simple, to understand how the leading minds in the cryptocurrency space are researching, analyzing, and quantifying the value of digital assets. Quick disclaimer, this podcast was recorded and is being made available solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast should not be construed as the provision of investment advice or as an offer to buy or sell any securities or tokens or to make or consider any investment or course of action. You can view our show notes for our complete disclosures. In today's episode, I'm joined by Faizan Khan, founder and managing director at Vissery Capital. Faizan, it's great to have you on. Joshua, thanks for having me. I love what you guys are uh, doing. Yeah, so you know, let's let's dive right in. So you know, kind of would love to hear what your life was was pre crypto and and what you know what your initial interaction with the space was and and what kind of fully brought you down the rabbit hole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, first uh, got into crypto in 2015. I had heard about Bitcoin prior, never never dove in, um, and it kind of fully got into it in 2016. I'll get to that, um, but really. I always like to kind of, there's definitely a few things in the kind of life and career that, that I think everyone kind of has their own own path with this. But, um, you know, I, I always like to mention a few kind of catalysts or areas I attribute to kind of allowing the space to click for me, you know, in a deeper way. Um, so I, I would, I, I kind of like to draw back actually. So, you know, growing up, I was um, very fortunate to have, you know, access to com- computers. My father came to this country he was in software business and, uh, you know, he would bring back computers. This is back in the, in the 90s. And, you know, back in the day, this was like Prodigy. This is pre-Windows and Apple. These are some, you know, basic, you know, word processing and, and game computers and stuff like that. And so that um, sort of got me into programming. And, you know, that helped me kind of get into web design, programming, those things. And one, one of the areas specifically it got me into is uh, PC gaming, which, uh, <laughs> which uh, if any, you know, anyone in crypto who sort of maybe games or has that background understands at least some of the, the tie-in there of, you uh, you know, of, of digital worlds, you know, digital currencies, some of these games have, you know, kind of these virtual worlds and sort of how that ties in. It just helps, you know, kind of everything click together. And so I got quite into that growing up and programming and all this stuff. So um, that definitely was, was one of the areas that, uh, that, I, that I draw to. And, and so, uh, you know, ended up actually going through uh, in, into psychology of all things after that. I, I just kind of kept it as a hobby on the side. I was, you know, still, still doing these things on the side. And, uh, you know, I was kind of interested in the neuroscience aspect and kind of how that maybe ties to the computers as well. So I kind of tried to, to tie it together, uh, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. So I kind of defaulted into that. And I still, you know, maintained uh, gaming, programming on the side, doing all this stuff. And so um, another thing I kind of that so ended up graduating and, and, and you know, uh, uh, one, one of the other career kind of early things that, that, that I tie back to is I moved to the Bay Area for about five years. And um, this was a big deal. I'm from New York originally, so moving across the country, didn't know anyone there. Um, got, I landed a job at this startup called Pentaho. And uh, so they were in the big data space, which uh, back then was kind of still, you know, still hot, but I guess it's more about machine learning and AI now. Uh, but this was back when big data was the hot thing. And so I was lucky enough to join you know, early in this company, pretty much for sales hire, dove right in, you know, climbed the ranks there, did really well. And specifically, this company. So this, um, you know, the big data space. I'm sure you know this because you guys play in the data space. Is you know heavily open source. So MongoDB, Hadoop, all these databases were were are and were open source and have that heritage. And actually, Snowflake that just went public uh, is built on Foundation DB, 
um, and that's also you know, has open source roots as well. And so Pentaho is open source. So that really, you know, made me appreciate the community aspect of programming and, and software development. Obviously, that ties heavily into crypto. And so that company, so I was there five years, ended up, did, did really well, enjoyed it. Um, and they ended up getting bought by Hitachi for $600 million. And I actually, at the time, I was speaking to some of the investors and advisors who were a little more hands-on with the salespeople and the biz dev people. And uh, that also, again, planted the seed of, man, I really want to invest. These guys are this is awesome. Like they invested early and they're advising and they're built, helping build a sales team out and all this stuff. So again, little seeds planting along the way. And so I ended up leaving shortly after that. Um, I didn't want to work for a, a huge, huge company. And uh, so, and then we're kind of getting closer to crypto land now. Um, and so uh, after that, I, so sort of tail end of, of my time there, I got really into stocks and trading. I just became enamored with markets and, you know, was buying the chip stocks way back in video, AMD, you know, tech plays, you know, I kind of got deeper into the, the, the chip stocks and just, you know, and, 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 and just, uh, did very well actually, and then was able to to this day still you know dabble in stocks. Um, and then I joined this company part time after Pentaho um, called Acern, and they were doing quant software and these types of things. And then so that again got me got me deeper into 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 markets and kind of analyzing you know more more deeply on the data of markets. And then one of the one of the guys there um, was into Bitcoin um, very much so, and so he introed me uh, in 2015. That's when I sort of started to dabble. You know, it's perfect timing. I'm very fortunate again to have had access, you know, had sort of some of the extra capital, in my savings and stocks, and 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 you know, having done well and just kind of you know, night and day was learning, and and so he got me into into Bitcoin um, in 2015. Didn't accumulate a ton at that point. It kind of more into 2016 uh, was was really when I got really deep into it. But you know, you know how it is. Once you fall into the space, it's night and day. You, you uh, eat, sleep, and 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 breathe it. And uh, especially and once thinking, you discover yeah. uh, Twitter, that's that's yes. really well, the that, rabbit yeah, hole. That, that is the right. Ra- yeah, you're right. You're right. And that that was just starting to get a little more mature back then. I guess I, I wasn't digging in as as much back then. But now, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy now. Um, the last the last couple of years. So uh, ended up actually. So after that as well. So again, as I'm kind of falling into the crypto rabbit hole. I was mining, I was mining GPU coins, Monero, just getting really into it. And it kind of, again, aligned with the open source. It aligned with kind of the gaming, understanding the virtual value, you know, digital value. Um, it aligned with uh, with my kind of new love for markets and trading and kind of understanding this macro view of the world and all these things, right? And so um, all these stars aligned and I ended up still joining this other company in the, in the meantime on the side. I was a consulting company. I built out a an East Coast practice for for this company, and they were based in the West Coast. And I kind of managed a PNL, so it was a cool experience. I was doing some, you know, project management and in- integrating again on the data side and kind of some open source stuff as well. But again, I mean, I, I just on the side, I just could not uh, stop thinking about crypto and investing. And I, you know, I had done some angel investments back then. And so, anyways, um, you know, then in 2017, we all kind of know <laughs> what happened. 2017 <laughs> to kind of early 2018. Um, obviously, you know, things went wild, you know, I was also dabbling in some of the ICOs just out of pure, uh, intrigue, honestly, of this new way, you know, I didn't, so before we even continue, I'd I'd love to know what the, what is the shittiest of the ICOs that you dabbled in? Oh boy. Um, (laughs) that's my new question. I ask everyone. It's a fun one. It's a good question. Yeah. (laughs) In retrospect, they were, you know, well, there's, there's always horror stories. Right. And I, and, and I think, um, yeah, there was one like 
Bloom or something, BLT, which is kind of funny, uh, was the ticker. And it actually didn't end up doing too badly, but it was just, again, I wasn't really that deep in, in the ISO. There was a few like uh, dragon chain back in the day. And that actually ended up going like 20 X. So, you know, and, and dragon chain claimed that they were part of Disney. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, this is all wild speculative stuff. And again, yeah. I mean, my core yeah. positions were, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum are way outsized positions. And I just saw, why not? Why not try? And I had some other stuff like Monero in the early kind of early 2016 as well. And that, that did really well, but yeah, I had to dabble. Um, some of them, honestly, some of the ICO returns ended up being crazy. Um, and if you, if you knew what kind of, if you got out kind of thing, but you know, never, never was it huge allocations and, and, and kind of just, uh, more, uh, more, more experimental, but, uh, crazy times, wild west. And, uh, you know, still look back on it with, uh, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, positively try to at least, but, uh, anyway, so 2017 occurred and was able to just, um, you know, I guess in my, my time in the trading stocks, I, I kind of had a, a knack for, at least knowing when to shave positions off and kind of, you know, a lot of people, you know, especially venture people in the space now I've noticed they don't understand, like it, it doesn't count unless it's liquid. It doesn't, you know, kind of, they're, they're not used to managing liquid assets. And so, um, I've noticed that they don't really know what they're doing with the order book and really what to do. So, so I ended up being pretty good at that. And, and, and basically in 2017 and early 2018, I sold all the alt positions. I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to hold my core large caps and, and walk away from these. This is too crazy. And, you know, it did very well, but I, I couldn't, I didn't want to look back. And so I sort of, wipe those positions off the table, um, cash some out, right? And the idea, so so sort of this is where the fund was born, kind of through this transition. And I thought, okay, well, we did really well. And, and um, you know, I've always wanted to invest. I thought maybe I'd be five years away from doing this. But yeah, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm going to launch this fund and, 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 and hold core large cap positions as sort of the foundation and then reconstitute these funds towards um and you know i sold a little bit of the the bitcoin and ethereum but you know held kind of had good cost basis on them since 2016 20 early 2017 so it was just good good um hold investments core investments um but again the idea was to reconstitute these funds out into uh back into crypto some of them right whether it was some early token stuff um but a lot into you know equity within crypto equity and then if you see our portfolio you know we have some non-crypto plays but a lot of them sort of run parallel in fintech to some degree typically um so yeah it's just i mean basically 2018 sort of the fund was born and uh it was all about reallocating funds out and sort of uh, building a new base and uh that's what it's been ever since. And so um, we can certainly get into into the specifics, but it's been a pretty crazy uh, few years here. Yeah. So, you know, you, on your website, it says that you're a thesis driven fund for the new digital economy. So I would love to kind of dive into that thesis, right? And and and, and kind of explaining what, what that is. Sure. Yeah. So you can check the actual write-ups at uh, visory.io. And that's sort of our side blog website we actually built it on ghost which is a uh, open source publishing it's i think it's way better than medium and substack um I, I actually wanted to invest in them but they they were full so I, i'm not i'm not i'm not talking my book here but they're, they're a great uh, great great site um anyway so you can check it out there um it's sort of a two-parter and we had kind of a post-covid add-on to it um but anyways at a high level um so it's really about this kind of this decade i think and really the last probably five to ten years as well kind of um, you know, where, where populism is rising sort of around the world. Um, you have these types of forces that are sort of, uh, you know, lack, and it's really also about a lack of trust occurring. And if you look at all the, the data, you know, the, the, the trust in sort of central authorities, like, you know, such as media and governments and, you know, big tech, ironically, is actually the most trusted of all. If you see it, it's still waning, but it's kind of funny 
that you know big tech is still sort of more trusted than you know governments and media and, so, and, and things like that. And so I think there's just a general feel, perhaps for you know there's a lack of transparency on these things, um, and there's certainly uprisings. You see, I mean, we don't have to get political, but you, you see it around the world and, and here as well. You know, there's certainly friction on on that side. And so the idea I think is that in those times come some of the greatest change. And I think people are looking, and I think, again, a lot of this ties into crypto clearly because it's more transparent. You have more monetary policy that's out in the open. These, this frustration of, you know, wealth inequality and things like that. Again, we're not really taking a stance on it. We're just saying, well, we are in the sense of, yes, we're pro crypto and we think that's the direction it should be. But politically, we're not taking a stance. We just believe a lot of change is going to happen. We think investments are going to open up to more people. You see it with accreditation laws kind of starting to open up. It's a start. I mean, it's really needs a lot more room, honestly, but I'd love to see that open up. And yeah, I would love to hear our, your thoughts yeah. on that, actually. You know, wh- wh- where do you sure. think there's more room for accreditation to open up? There's just a lot of limitations on like how much for crowd reg, reg CF, for example, you can spend. I think also the uh, annually, and then I think some of the uh, just just opening it up to a wider breadth of people. I think this, you know, it's good that you know you can take that financial. The latest one is basically you can take that financial. It's kind of escaping me what the test is. You might know, but uh, there's a there's basically a financial test you can take to qualify. And if you're an industry vertical expert, I think it's a great start. Um, but I'd, I'd like to just, yeah, see, see it kind of open up and I, more so than the laws maybe is just seeing more people go the route of crowdfunding, equity crowdfunding. And we're seeing it, right? Republic, we funder, we're investor in WeFunder. Um, and, and so we, 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 that's kind of core to our thesis as well, this idea of accessibility. And I think people are really looking for that even playing field of saying, hey, these, these alternatives have been locked out for forever to, to main street, so to speak, and, and really people want access. And so I think, again, crypto does fall into that quite a bit. Um, but I think fundamentally, some laws need to change. And then also some adoption needs to occur and education needs to occur and all these things. So that's definitely a core part of the thesis. And I think open source, you'll see that being a huge um, theme of ours as well that we fall into. Again, that comes from my history of appreciation of it and understanding of it, seeing it work as well. So those are some of the areas. And then certainly the last one I'll just mention is remote work. I think that, again, that kind of falls into this distributed teams, distributed kind of organization mindset. Um, so it's so a software that empowers remote work and allows these teams to kind of come together and, and work. So that's kind of at a high level. You can dig in a little bit deeper into the areas we were specifically looking at or investments we've specifically made, but that's sort of high level. And then I'll just mention to the kind of the post-COVID write-up we did was just essentially how you know all this transformation actually has has sort of accelerated, um, and obviously it's a, under terrible circumstances. But a lot of these things have, have clearly remote work, you know, uh, opening up some of the the uh, re- deregulating certain industries, which we we like we do like to see opening some of these things up, has occurred rapidly as a result of COVID. I think some of that's just here to stay. Some of it will sort of st- start to stabilize a little bit and go back to where how it was. But yeah, certain trends. I mean, and obviously the big elephant in the room is the the massive stimulus and, and money printing, which, uh, which will, and I think will set the sort of the, uh, new trend for, for, um, kind of an addiction to that occurring in corporate America and around the world as well for, for, for kind of the next decade. So I think the, that this kind of solidified the addiction to upcoming, um, and probably existing money printing as well. So a lot of these things just kind of came together and, um, you know, under terrible circumstance, but that's sort of our, our version 2.1 we put together. Uh, so you can check that out as well. And so you mentioned earlier, you know, the the opening up uh, of investments to the masses. I mean, are you uh, a believer in in the tokenization of securities and enabling, you know, kind of everybody to participate in, and not just you know, you know, you know, to- like cryptocurrencies, but actually tokenized securities as well? 
Yeah, we have a couple of, so we invested in T0 um, in 2018. So certainly that was part of, and is part of their vision now. And it's sort of a little bit of a slow start that space has gotten. And I think it's because, again, it sort of has to start with the laws and it sort of has to start with the will of the people who want to get into that. And it's a, so it's a big education. Up, again, I've worked with a couple startups directly in the industry and it's really an uphill battle. Um, uh, just to kind of get the education out there and, and, and sort of the light bulb moment for me hasn't a hundred percent gone off yet on why security tokens are necessarily that much better. I think there are aspects of liquidity. I think, um, you know, peer to peer trading of things, uh, I think, uh, securitized partnered with AirSwap, which is peer to peer digital securities trading. I think that's really cool. And I think just, I think it's just a few years away and I think you were seeing, um, a lot more uh, uh, innovation in sort of the public blockchain space for now. Um, but yeah, certainly I believe in that, I think. Uh, but again, it kind of has to start with the law and the kind of the will of the people and, and that needs to come together. Uh, but it's definitely kind of in a deep infrastructure phase, the whole security token landscape. But uh, yeah, I would love to see it. We certainly we've had some investments there and I'd love to see uh, I'd love to see that kind of come come together. Yeah, and I feel like it's also just like, uh, you know, somebody big needs to take the first leap into the space as well. Like, I know Coinbase yeah. has publicly been, you know, considering or or working on a security token platform. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can Google that, and, you know, there's a little bit of information there. But I think to your point on liquidity, I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? You know, you know. You know, there may be an equity investment that I'm interested in, but you can't actually there's there's no liquidity. Like there's no there's yes. no actual activity, which just makes it, you know, very difficult. Yeah. Um and so yeah, a, lot is, of the, is, a lot of the, no, uh, the innovation there is going on in Asia too, I've noticed because just speaking of you know, Singapore and these places are just moving a little quicker on the regulation and kind of a, you know, you have kind of public private partnerships coming together on that. So it, again, we're we're sort of in a slight gridlock here. But um yeah, that's I think that's the biggest problem. I'm seeing Asia kind of take over in that area right now. So hopefully uh, we, we can uh, move forward on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, it feels like we've been like, not almost there, but a couple of years away for a couple of years so far, you know, and, and just, <laughs> yeah. it, it makes sense. I mean, you know, I had Yoni Asio as the CEO of eToro on the podcast and eToro fully wants to list any, anything that can be tokenized, right. You know, including, right. including securities. So, I mean, it, it seems like there's, there's the will, it, it seems like we're close. So, you know, I don't know what the impetus yeah. is going to be, but I, I feel like there's definitely something there as well. Yeah, I agree. If Coinbase jumps in, I think it'll be, yeah, someone needs to come in first in a big way and, and, and that'll set the ball rolling. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Facebook with Libra, except Libra hasn't really happened yet. But, but you know, the same kind of thing, right? A big company just making an announcement just, you know, as an impetus for, for you know, that, that kind of was like Facebook coming in and Libra. I mean, I know you can't exactly correlate that with the rise of stable coins, but that kind of like just predated the, the rise of stable coins, right? And, and kind of the, the different utility and use of it. And I think, you know, Facebook coming in kind of legitimized that, right? And I think yeah, so, so, you know, maybe there's something, something, you know, somewhere that can happen within this space. Yeah. And so is, is Vissery uh, entirely proprietary? Uh, do you have any, you know, external, external investors? Uh, is that something, you know, yeah, kind of dive in there. Sure. Yeah. It's, it, we're, so up until recently, um, we've almost been entirely proprietary and I've just been, you know, I, I've, you know, sort of prioritized that autonomy. Um, and, and more recently we have, uh, we've, we've syndicated a few deals out sort of like an angel syndicate, um, but, but not on angel yet. And we might actually go on angel as well, just to get some additional like SPVs kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's been a couple of things just to bring in, so, so just pool some more capital because we wanted bigger, you know, bigger check size and we wanted to 
give some more value to the round. And so we've done that a couple times. And then we, we've also taken in more recently uh, uh, some outside money from sort of some high net worth folks. But again, I think really keeping the uh, LP base tight knit kind of locals kind of, you know, close for now, at least has been a hugely beneficial, we can iterate faster, there's less bureaucracy, tons of autonomy, you know, a lot of the startups we work with are like, wow, you have conviction, you move quickly, and they really appreciate that. Um, and, and, and they, they like that lack of bureaucracy. And, and, and I think um, it allows us to move a lot quicker, especially in crypto, where things move very quickly, especially in bull markets and bear markets, you sort of get that nice heads down. I kind of miss it. Honestly, people always say, you know, in bull markets, you stop, you get less sleep. And we're sort of starting to see that now, um, you know, bear markets slow down a bit, but still, you know, it's still very quick moving. And there's a lot of rounds. Going on. You know, at one point, it, quite, it got a little calmer um, last year or so. But uh, now we're now we're kind of back to full force. So it definitely is there's beneficial aspects to proprietary. And one, one other thing I'll just say is um, it, it's a bit unique in the sense that we, when we bring on the LPs, we sort of want a little bit more historical data. Obviously, it's not predictive, but it's constructive to show sort of our prior um, results and where we came from and sort of having those stories instead of simply just selling the um, – the what the what can be or you know kind of having some more historical data points of what we've done so is sort of unique in that sense i think and because the fund is essentially bootstrapped um which is pretty unique as well i've been very fortunate and blessed um it, it's sort of i can i have a little bit of a different approach onto lps but i think probably in the next you know year or two i'm not in a fast pace mode to to, to land a bunch of lps i mean i certainly could go earmark some capital from lps but i'm just yeah i've sort of um, enjoying enjoying it and um, and and you know want to see kind of how this next cycle plays out I, I think and uh, we're pretty well positioned I think so yeah I mean I I certainly think the flexibility is a huge huge plus I mean you know a lot of times funds raised you know with specific theses that 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 their you know LPs got behind. And, and, you know, some of it was, you know, potentially not even, you know, getting, being able to get exposure to Bitcoin. And we've seen, you know, during, during, you know, bear markets, Bitcoin is, you know, outperforms other alts, right? And so being able to move quickly and, 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 and capitalize on those types of things, or, you know, I think, you know, even being opportunistic about the market is probably something that you're more flexible on versus just, you know, uh, you know, I, I guess I would, I would say you're more akin to a venture fund, but it seems like it's a bit even more flexible than that. Yeah, I would say, yeah. Um, I think also just the other area we're sort of unique is that, you know, we do venture and we sort of, we'll probably get into this, but we sort of treat some of the, obviously the early tokens, almost like a venture pseudo venture bet where it's kind of, you know, a multiple year horizon and you're kind of vesting anyway, and you kind of want to want to be there for the growth long-term. Um, and, but, but, but I think a lot of VCs entering the space who just have a couple of crypto investments, they don't really know how to manage liquid assets or an order book. And I don't think there's much strategy going on in the current, and I, certainly the crypto specific funds have this down pat. Now, if you look at the paradigms and sort of, I think electric capital it probably is getting, you know, uh, very deeply into managing liquid assets, right? They do some venture too. So they're kind of, that's kind of akin to the, their, their, split of venture and live tokens sort of and also having some liquid i think they also hold bitcoin and ethereum and other kind of liquid large caps but yeah i think that's sort of what sets us apart is that we we, we do the venture uh we can get into that but we also manage you know liquid assets we have a trading background we have analysts on the t- you know team who have the trading background and so it helps a lot because uh yeah so you kind of have these liquidity events in crypto that occur and they're quite unique um, and, and some of those are going to happen kind of, you know, we've been under lockup. We've had some of our investments from 2018 are sort of, and we'll get into this, are, are kind of, um, you know, going to go live soon or went live. So it's kind of a unique um, play and it's sort of a different liquidity window than traditional venture.
And so, yeah, I mean, you know, excited to dive 100% into crypto. But before we even get there, you know, you guys, uh, you know, have, have made investments in crypto, crypto related companies and, and you know, non-crypto ventures. So, you know, what is the split there? And has that changed over time? You know, do you envision that changing, you know, further? Yeah, sure. So uh, right now, the split probably just from percentage weighted basis, we probably are about 70% approximately in crypto and 30% in non-crypto kind of pre-traction seed deals and, and kind of again a lot of these to a degree align with crypto like we have um, this company called cadence that does private credit deals and they they kind of like they put it on the blockchain for transparency but they're not really a crypto company you know they're they're, they're, not, they're not a blockchain company they don't say that anywhere but i think it's really cool they do that so some of these things have parallels into into crypto but yeah it's 30 70 sort of from a weighted capital perspective i would say so we're definitely a, always been kind of heavier in crypto just because that's how we got started we're sort of you know backwards in that sense where a lot of vcs get into crypto we're sort of a crypto fund that kind of branched out into vc and wanted to diversify into kind of longer time preference illiquid venture and just kind of sit on that for five eight years whatever or 10 who knows i think the average is seven to eight for liquidity events and venture so from a seed seed round so yeah these are long-term bets you know so um we, we like to have some of those yeah i mean the, the most interesting one i mean i guess i'm a little bit biased that i've seen in there is uh is cafe x so that's actually one of my friends from high school uh henry who is the uh <laughs> yeah, henry, is yeah. the ceo of of, of, of cafe x so uh, was, yeah, was that's a little bit of an outlier that. for sure. Yeah, we got we got access through through that deal uh, from sort of a syndicate, and uh, we, we we branched out as well and did, did direct. And so, yeah, that's a uh, yeah. You can check that one out. That's <laughs> that's it's uh, cool. It's a uh, it's a robotic coffee company. I guess is the 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 three word pitch for it. Yeah, but uh, yep. quite interesting. So you know, you mentioned uh, before. Um, you know, getting in, you know, to, uh, you know, pre-liquid tokens. Um, so so my, my, my first question is, how do you actually find these opportunities? Like, where, where are you sourcing these opportunities from? Or are you hearing things from different investors? Are you getting approached by, by tokens themselves? Are you, are you still investing in, you know, you know, kind of pre-launch tokens as well? Or is that something that you were doing more, you know, a couple of years ago? Yeah, that was more of a 2018 phenomenon. And I think um, a lot of people were looking to get into the space after the, the rally. And so, uh, and I think, again, some of them obviously with the intention of, hey, I just want to get into the space now because it's happened. But a lot of them, I mean, we only invested in the ones that were like, it's a bear market. We're going to build for three years. We're going to come back, you know. And so that, so to answer your question, we haven't really done any of these pre, there just haven't really been many. I mean, I guess with DeFi now, there's some which I'm sure we'll get into, but we haven't participated in any of the pre-network stuff um, since 2018, I believe, was probably the last one. And again, I mentioned before, you know, some of these are, are just went live. Some of them aren't live yet. Um, there's, a, there's a number of, uh, you know, different scenarios for these. But, um, you know, we have long vest periods on all of these. And it's kind of, it's funny, you know, people say, oh, the, the VCs are just going to dump on retail when it gets listed. But the reality is I'm locked out of these. And hey, I don't have a ton of these, but, you know, I'm locked out of these for, you know, three years and I, one twelfth of it or one thirty sixth of it every month unlocks, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to, uh, people aren't, it's not really how it's, you know, it's, I'm sure some sales, sales going, sales are going on there, but, uh, a lot of people are just looking to vest it through and it's like a three year window and it's just kind of, you know, there's certainly a time and place to sell it, but it's kind of, it's going to be quite a bit after the listings. And again, a lot of the listings are occurring in Asia anyway. 
first. And so it's like, you, you know, there, there's a kind of these, you know, liquid assets we're managing, like origin protocol got listed last year. It's actually doing really well from the round we invested in, but you know, it's liquid. It could go back down. It's almost like an IPO. You're locked out for a while and you have to kind of sit on the sidelines, but you're not going to, you know, sell it right away. You're going to hold it through, especially if it's a good project. So, um, yeah, there's kind of a mixture. And more recently, we've just been focused on, again, the venture side, um, actually. And, and so since 2018, basically, in the recent kind of March dip, we've been buying Bitcoin and Ethereum again, um, quite quite substantially. And so that's been the focus. And then, uh, you know, we can get into the DeFi. There's been a couple of things we've dabbled in there, but no no pre-network stuff for, for quite some time. Yeah. So, I mean, I noticed, you know, and, and when you brought up not launched yet and, and, you know, 2018, the first thing that came to mind was Filecoin. I quickly checked your website and that was in fact, you know, one of the, one of the assets that, 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 that's listed there. So I would love to kind of hear your, your thesis there and your thoughts on, you know, what, what you think the response is going to be once Filecoin actually launches. Yeah, I think they've spent such um so many resources on sort of the hardware infrastructure that i think it's quite unique and i think that we haven't quite seen any project obviously it's you know it's uh, storage and it's not you know it's not um gpus it's it's storage uh, uh so it's, it's different in that sense but um i think that's quite unique i think they've done a great job i can't remember this the data i saw recently but their their test net has some absurd amount i think it's 200 pib of data it's some absurd amount already and so I just think you're going to have that network effect. And I think if you look at comparables right now, you have, you know, our weave is kind of comparable. It's kind of that perma web storage, you know, and, if, and so, you know, those are starting to perform and get some headway. Those might actually start to be performing because of, you know, speculation that Filecoin's coming. So maybe Filecoin's the big, uh, you know, behemoth entering. Um, but again, I mean, I have a two year, you know, lockup on that. I'm just looking to, to, to see its growth over time. IPFS is sort of the uh, company that it's built on um, uh, that, that was, you know, existing before. And they did a lot. Of, and I actually work with a few startups that use IPFS for data storage. It's really cool stuff. And I think it's sort of the missing component in some of the decentralized architecture, as well as if, you know, Handshake is the other one for DNS. And I just think if we want, it's sort of kind of a cop out when you have these decentralized applications that are then hosted on Amazon, you see the little AWS loader on the bottom. And it's just kind of, you know, we, if we, it's kind of, at some point needs to migrate if it really wants to consider itself fully um, decentralized. But yeah, I think it's an interesting uh, project. I think it's going to be very liquid. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, hype around Asia, I think is already happening. Um, This was one of actually our first kind of, this is probably our first pre-network kind of launch in the thick of it. It This was kind of right in the heart of the the 2017 timeframe. And so it was very exciting to see this new offering and it was kind of this new thing. And and, and I think... um, at the end of the day, the talent, I think, looked really solid and IPFS already existed. And so that was the reason we, we, we invested. And um, yeah, we'll see. Obviously, the valuation, everyone's saying the fully diluted market cap is insane and all that stuff. But I, I think they have a, a reasonable emission schedule. And I think, you know, you have to look at the big picture. But um, yeah, I think if the space grows, I think it'll it'll grow <laughs> um, along with it. So yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, you know, Filecoin in Asia. So you know, we have, um, you know, we track, you know, you know, news stories from everywhere. And 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 right now, 88% of, of global Filecoin news stories are in China. Um, yeah. So certainly, sure. certainly interesting. I mean, that's, that's more significant than any other asset that I've seen. So, uh, you know, interesting to see kind of, you know, that that play out. So, you know, my, my, my question then related to Filecoin, a lot of the stuff that you were looking at in 2018 is, is how are you doing due diligence on, you know, these, the, those pre-network tokens and trying to determine whether or not these were actually good investments? And, and you know, now that you're more invested in liquid tokens, you know, what does that due diligence process look like today? 
Yeah, so the illiquid stuff's first. I'll cover um, so the pre-network uh, back back then in 2017. Well, 2018, yeah. Um, I think it was you know it's still in a lot of ways like investing in a startup in, in, in kind of the archetype of a founding team. You still want you know highly conscientious, good communicator, you know, folks who are, you know, have the vision. So you still want kind of that framing of the, the founding team having those those points of, of, of having that kind of archetype of a founder. So that doesn't really change. But I think the other thing is you want to see a team that really appreciates open source and kind of coding and, and, and kind of having that community aspect. I think that's quite unique. I think people coming from a SaaS background into crypto might not understand that. So we want to find people who kind of have that, you know, open source heritage um, coming into the space. So that's a big component of it. Um, I think the use case aspects, I mean, I think um, layer ones were obviously hot and heavy in 2018. We did a couple of those like, like you know, like Blockstack. Um, that was actually probably late 2017, I believe. Um, but again, solid founding team. Um, it's done pretty, you know, done pretty well. It's actually not listed in the US yet. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. I think they're gearing up for that. Hopefully. Um, I don't know that by the way, this is not, um, insider. I just saw, um, there's actually an article saying they, you know, they sent the stacks, um, over to foundation. And, and so that could mean they're, they're trying to eye something there. So there's a lot of speculation around that. We can, we can throw that, those like, things around, but, um, yeah, it's done pretty well. I think layer, you know, we can get into the layer one thing. I think that'll be a separate conversation, but, um, that was hot and heavy. I tried not to do too many of those. I still thought Ethereum network effects were going to be really strong. Um, and, uh, sort of, yeah, it was really just the team, I think at that point, you know, because you're investing pre product, you know, and, and so it's really the team and the, and the goals and what area, um, and one other I can mention is scale labs, scale, scale network, actually they've changed. So scale labs was the originally they went to scale.network. Um, and it's, it, you know, the team there just understood that and it's, they're completely correct that you know, gas fees would be untenable and scalability would be a massive issue in layer two. That was my my right next way. question was, was going to yeah. be gas fees. So. Okay. Well, yeah, we, can, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a nightmare. I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, so scale is coming sort of at a very pertinent time where that's top of mind. We, and I think they understand how to make, and I knew this from the founder. So Jack O'Holloran, is the CEO kind of founder and, you know, he's kind of, you know, going to push himself away from it. It's going to be, you know, kind of community driven at some point, but he, he, he kicked things off. Um, and he gets the fact that layer two needs to kind of feel like it never less left the ecosystem. A lot of layer two so far is kind of just feels like you're leaving it and it's kind of, it's not integrated properly. The UX isn't there. And so I think they understand that. And again, it couldn't come at a better time. So I think if some of these applications that aren't clearly aren't scaling right now could move to that, and there already are already some other layer twos out there. And I know ETH 2.0 is coming out. We can talk about that as well. But uh, I think that's a very pertinent timing. So it really, with that one, it's, it was about the thesis of what they were doing. They were building towards scalability, future, kind of going where the puck, skate where the puck is going. And then just the team was really, really talented. And so I think it's quite similar to venture in that regard. Um, and, and you can certainly look at some of the economics of the token distribution and stuff like that. It's all pretty similar. I mean, they all have best periods. Or, you know, they all kind of have those breakdown of emissions versus uh, emission rate versus uh, community and advisors. And it's all kind of some of it's quite similar. And so it, some of it boils down to that. But a lot of it's just the team. And you trust that these guys are problem solvers and they're going to figure it out. So that's a lot of what 2018 was. Yeah. Yeah. So you got you, you actually just mentioned something that I love talking about, which is emission rate. And, and, you know, one of the, you know, in, or inflation, right? The inflation of the token, yeah, how much yeah. new supply is going to be, is going to be issued, right? And, and I, you know, is, is that something that you're, that you're looking at when you're diligencing any, any type of asset? Because to me, that's like the most important thing. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, like at, at one point, I forgot, I forgot what, to, maybe it was OMG Network or, or some other large 
token only had like 3% of its total supply issued as of last year. And like, you know, it's fully diluted market cap was in like the you know, hundreds of billions of dollars range, right? And and you know, talk about the Federal Reserve printing money. Well, if, if you're gonna, you know, three hundred x the supply of one of these tokens, you know, is the demand really gonna be there to to kind of, uh, you know, support that supply? So, would kind of love to get your 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 thoughts on on how important that actually is to you and your your investment decision making process. Yeah, it's quite important. I think you know some of uh, if you take some of the proof of stake chains, I mean they have pretty high inflation and and sort of that incentivizes the staking aspect. So there there there's something there. But then you have you know a lot of price sort of uh, resistance because you have a lot of the new stake being sold, and and so it definitely matters. I think back in 2018, I think probably anyone who were investing in these pre network tokens probably wasn't looking at that quite as much. And a lot of these, you know, a lot, you're, you're investing again in a white paper and a team. And so, I, you know, this is something I, 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 I never put as much allocation towards these because you're, it's kind of this very ethereal thing. Um, but, it, you know, a lot of these white papers didn't fully even have that figured out. And so, again, you're kind of trusting that the economics would line up. Um, but now today, I look at that sort of more than ever, especially with the liquids, the newer liquid stuff. Um, I think that's really important, um, especially now that kind of the yield aspects are, and, and kind of the, 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 you know, yield stuff and the, the staking stuff is kind of flushing out. I think that's even more important than ever. But for the pre-network stuff, it's sort of just as long as there's good lockups on the investors and, uh, you know, a good chunk is going to kind of usage and community and utility. Again, as long as the fully diluted isn't insane, you can kind of justify a ten-year horizon. And you know, a lot of a lot of the fully diluted that go that high are like fifty years down the line. So it's you know, there's definitely it's important to look at. Masari um, does a great job. Kind of, I, I look at their some of their data on that stuff. They do a great job making sure to show that in their in um, on their you know price tables. So yeah, it's important. It's important. Um, yeah, and. And yeah, no, I'm, 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 you know, I'm with you there and, and definitely shout out to Mazari because I give them full credit. I mean, Selkis has been on that and I, maybe it wasn't even originally Selkis. It may have originally been Dan uh, McCardle who started on chain FX, which then merged with, you know, right. Selkis as Mazari. Right. Uh, you know, they've been on that. They've been on that really early. So give them full yeah, credit. I think, I, I think also it's important to look at the context of the, of, of, of how long that, that dilutes and when, who it's diluting to. And if it's based on sort of usage and utility, I think it's, you know, you can, maybe justified to a degree but I, I agree i mean the whole i mean we we look for stuff that's more you know uh at least as a core positions deflationary and then sort of you know have that you know circulating supplies out there and it's not it's not gonna you know get so diluted to the point where yeah you're just your, your investment's just not gonna it's not gonna work out so yeah it's definitely a concern but um yeah more than ever so we'll, we'll i'm sure we'll, we'll get into that um on the, on the DeFi side as well yeah. And so, so one other thing, you know, before we kind of get into the new, you know, trending sectors and topics, you know, you mentioned two things about Ethereum that were interesting. And I think a little bit, you know, I don't know, may, you know, maybe they're, 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 they're kind of competing forces. The first is that Ethereum has these massive network effects, but those network effects yield this massive problem that we have, which is, which is gas fees. Um, right. And, and, and the fact that, you know, it, it, you know, this new, um, uh, why am I why am I blanking on the uh, the 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 name the Uni token? Uh, you know, was yeah. taking up what twenty percent of the Ethereum network today, um, and mm-hmm. and gas fees were going up to what thirty forty dollars a transaction at some point yeah. uh, a, a few you know maybe a month ago. So how do you kind of think about you know the 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 network effects of Ethereum and 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 kind of the scalability there and 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 what needs to happen, uh, if anything? 
Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the fee model sort of eats itself if they don't solve the scalability and, and they don't solve it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it essentially, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of like broke the system. And we saw that. We saw that with, you know, CryptoKitties, as silly as that kind of seemed at the time. You know, we, we, we saw that as well. So we got a glimpse into that. But I think this is a lot more sustained. Now we're seeing, you know, this happen because there's, you know, a lot of activity going on in DeFi. There's a lot more incentive and kind of upside there for people. Um, for me, so you know, the panacea everyone's talking about is ETH 2.0, and I, you know, I think there's going to be sort of a, you know, a bullish move towards oh, it's coming, and there's going to be speculation around oh, get your 32 ETH ready to stake, and there's going to be this, a lot of memes around this and kind of excitement around once it's finally sort of on the horizon. Um, I'm, you know, midterm, so midterm, I'm bullish because of that, right? Um, Long term, I honestly would rather see the layer two route occur where some of these fees can be routed through. A scale or some of these other, you know, and I wish kind of the, the foundation would focus on that because I would much rather have a really strong base layer proof of work um, and layer twos built on top of it that are really very much integrated into this. And they don't feel like you're leaving the ecosystem. The UX is wonderful and that, that can be the focus. Um, so, but, but for me, so, I mean, ETH 2.0 in the long run, I'm very, I'm quite skeptical. I do think it'll solve some of the fees by the way, and probably scale better. But I just think um, it's sort of for me, it's a little, um, it, it's a little backwards of an approach. I, I'd much rather see layer two be focused on. Um, so I think in the short term, it's still gonna. I, I think there could be some kind of sentiment saying, "Hey, let's move to you know Polkadot and try DeFi on this because it's not working." So you, you might see some of that, I think, as well. Um, but you're also then going to see in parallel this bullishness towards, "Oh, it's coming. Two dot is coming. Everyone's going to hype it up." I mean, I think um, from a price perspective, uh, you know, midterm again, I'm bullish, but I think uh, I don't know how long lived that's going to be uh, again. But the network effect and, and the reason we doubled down so hard on Ethereum as well in, in, in March and, and also buying through 2018 on, on the on the dips in 2019, uh, pretty much for two years, we've been accumulating you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, the reason was because the developers never waned for a moment. And I was very impressed by that. And this is kind of goes to fundamentals a little bit is that, um, you know, if that developer excitement doesn't wane, it's a very good sign. And, and you don't see that you don't see that in parallel on any, any other chain in Bitcoin. Certainly, obviously, we're assuming that. But uh, on Ethereum, you, you, if anything, it grew. I mean, social, you could see everyone was doubling down on it. And so it was a very good bet in my eyes, and it panned out very nicely when ETH was under 100 to say, these guys are just getting more bullish, and they're just going to keep building. And there's not much – there's some capitulation, right? There's some – I guess that was a good sign in a way when you see that final capitulation. But um, so so that developer effect won't go away. So I'm sort of a little bit contrary to myself, I suppose. But I think with 2.0, you're still going to see that excitement. But I just think without that proof of work base layer, it just loses some of its value in my eyes. And I think it, it, it sort of becomes enough. And, and by the way, you know, I've been in software long enough to know re-architecting a layer one like that is sort of a lot more cumbersome than just building a layer one from scratch. And so I think if anything, you're just, it's just going to kind of look more like another layer one proof of stake. And it might, it might even even the playing field a little bit in the long horizon where some of the you know, polka dots will come in and actually start competing. I think there's a unique aspect to the proof of work base that, that the community is missing on that. But I'm sure they would call me out for being wrong on that. But we'll see how it ages. I mean, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think your point on layer two is 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 important. I mean, we haven't really seen any layer two solutions scale on any network yet or or be adopted. But I think that's also just a UX thing, right? And just improving, you know, the UX of all of these different protocols. So, and I, and I, I totally agree with your point, Reethereum's community. I mean, you know, you look at something like ETH Denver and who else has that, right? No other protocol has that. No other protocol has that community and developers are still rushing into Ethereum. So, you know, I certainly agree with your... Uh, you know, all your points and everything you kind of just shared. And, and, the, and the other one point on it, too, like you, you mentioned with the fees. So I, unfortunately, with this setup right now, it's sort of becoming a whale chain. And someone said that and I'm stealing that from them. But basically, yeah, we're, you know, basically, you know, the, the only valid transactions you're going to want to be doing are, are, you know, a few thousand dollars probably with the fees right now. Right. And so you're not going to have the retail participation. You kind of what you have right now in DeFi is sort of money sloshing around between whales who were previously very much heavily into ether. You're not, you're certainly bringing some new entrants and I know like wallet downloads are up and some of those fundamental aspects are higher, you know, wallet trend, you know, all these fees are fees are up obviously as well because of usage. Um, but yeah, you have, you definitely have some new folks coming in, but I just kind of, I, I, I still see just a lot of the old money quote unquote sloshing around. And so that's, a, you know, I think that'll hopefully change. I think there's, you know, retail is going to come in. But again, with the fees, it's a very hard boundary to justify. And uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't really quite know where it goes. I think some of it migrates off in, in kind of the near term. Some of it comes back in 2.0. We'll see. I'm sort of taking both sides of the bet to, to various degrees. But for the, for, the, for the near term, I think there, you know, it, it would be foolish not to still be long ETH. I mean, again, this is not investment advice, but just from where I'm sitting. Um, it, it would be foolish for me not to still go along ETH to kind of see how it plays out uh, because I think there's, you know, I think I, one, one thing I'll say too, I think we're probably only about 30 to 40% max through this cycle, um, even though it seems like a lot of euphoria has occurred already. I just think we're probably only about a third through the cycle. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that's it's going to get a little crazier. Um, but within that cycle, I could see some things again, moving to Polkadot or moving to Algorand or moving, or at least these chains trying to take that mind share away. And yeah, I mean, it's, but Ethereum is quite defensible. That's the other side of the argument as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, no, certainly. And I mean, and there's so, just so many interesting use cases for things that have been built on top of the Ethereum network, right? I mean, even even just like, you know, the fact that the majority of Tether is listed on Ethereum and, and, and you know, other stable coins are, are, are built on top of the Ethereum network and like foreign remittances are a very, very interesting use case for retail. But, you know, if you're if you're a foreign worker in a country, you know, sending twenty five dollars home, you know, of a stable coin on the Ethereum network just doesn't make sense right now. Yeah. Um, well, some of those some of that has been moving to Tron slowly, which is goofy. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> give, the fees give, are close, close to nothing there. But, uh, yeah. The uh, yeah, so you know, would love to kind of dive into you know we've mentioned already made mention to DeFi a couple times here, but what specific uh, sectors or topics are you most excited about? You know, like you know, DeFi, stable coins, you know, IEOs, NFTs. I mean, or is there something that you know is not really trending right now, but but that 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 has you excited for the near future or even the distant future? Yeah. Yeah, you know, we spent a lot of time so far talking about Ethereum. That's probably just because obviously the current news cycle, of, you know, now is uh, is in, in, insane around Uniswap. Uniswap just occurred and, and the, the offering. So um, I did want to bring it back to, to Bitcoin because I always want to pay homage and it's, you know, it's a or foundational position in the company. Um, so, you know, looking at sort of, and it's kind of funny because the mind share and kind of the headlines uh, really are making 
you know, obviously pumping up DeFi a lot more. There's a lot of excitement. It's moving very quickly and, and, and all that. We can, you know, I'll mention that in a moment. But um, yeah, with, with Bitcoin, if you look at the whole micro strategy move for 25 million, I believe. And I listened to the podcast recently with the, with the gentleman. It's funny, I actually competed with MicroStrategy when I was at Pentaho. So I know them very well, the company, what they do. So it's funny to see their name pop up and be, you know, Bitcoin uh, fans. Um, but that yeah. for me, that, that treasury, um, that treasury use case is, uh, you know, I, I didn't think that would really take off in, in such a big way. And again, it's obviously one example so far, but I didn't expect that at all. And it's sort of, and I'm wondering if it's a, you know, is it a one-off? Is this guy just really unique and he gets it and he had cash on the balance sheet? And, and you know, it's not an A-list company by any means. I mean, the, the guy's awesome. The CEO is awesome. But it's not, you know, we're not talking about a Square yet. You know, Square hops in and, and, and buys it, uh, buys Bitcoin, obviously with Jack being Jack Dorsey being a big fan for me, that's done. It's like, okay, this is going to be wild. So I'm still, that's out, out to I mean, see part how this, of me. this plays out. Yep. You know, part yep. of, part of me, like, you know, and I, I talked about this, I actually just did an, an episode with Danny Kim from uh, S Fox and we were talking about this as well. And, and part of me is kind of just reminded of the Long Island, you know, Long Island iced tea company going to Long Island mm-hmm. blockchain, right? Renaming and all of a sudden yeah. their stock skyrockets and That's you know, same thing, thing yeah. Yeah. same thing goes with Kodak, you know, doing their, their, you know, they're saying they're going to do a crypto miner and their stock, you know, freaking right. skyrocket, right? And now MicroStrategy has been, you know, up, you know, what, and, and, and the second day that they disclosed that they bought more Bitcoin, it was up like another 10%. So I wonder if some yeah. of it is just going to be opportunistic, but you know, that's a great if thing. You, if you, know, you listen to the guy, yeah, I mean, if you listen to the guy, he's definitely a believer. So I like, you know, it's like a layer deeper, certainly. I mean, he's really bought into it and he understands the economics of it and sort of, I mean, he sounds like any classic Bitcoin maximalist who I really you know, appreciate at the end of the day, I sort of philosophically probably align with that side of the table a lot more as a fund manager i just see kind of upside in the meantime in a bunch of other areas but um philosophically i, I really align with the bitcoin I've i mean i'm more i mean yeah. more with like the yeah. the the, the follow-ons right like you know certainly i, I agree with you i yeah. mean oh, he yeah, listed yeah. you know all the podcasts that he that he liked and then he watched and all the people that he listened to and i haven't had a chance to listen to it but I, you know i've heard similar things but i, I feel like you know, you know, some shitty companies just, you know, may just follow behind their lead and be like, oh, we can pump our stock today That's by true. 10%. Yeah, it's kind of funny. That's still like a good thing for, for the industry, maybe, but it's kind of a bad, I, I don't know. It's kind of, I think within that, you're still going to have legitimate ones who get it. And I think, um, yeah, and anyways, I, basically, I want to be a believer in that. And so I, I, that, right. that does definitely excite me that this isn't going to be a trend where, where institutions and corporations and the idea was eventually that governments would buy it. That was a long vision that a lot of folks talk about. It's, that's plausible. I mean, it's, it's, it, who knows where things, you know, are going if, uh, you know, if, if uh, you know, with the current macro setup, I mean, it, that, that could occur. So the corporate aspect of it could be the, the domino effect where that starts to happen. But yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath and say 10 corporations are going to start doing this next week. I mean, you're right. A couple could do it for stock bumps, um, but, but anyway, so I did want to pay homage to that use case though, the treasury and kind of a hedge. And I think if that does catch on, that's really interesting. Um, the other area, um, so we just invested in unchained capital and, uh, one of the, it's funny, one of the, the micro strategy CEO said one of the, one of the, some of the literature he read to make him buy was from Parker Lewis at unchained. So he's a really solid guy. And so I, I, um, I invested in, in their seed round. And, uh, so they're really demystifying multi-sig and they're also allowing, 
you to buy OTC, which again, I think is going to, it already is. I mean, people don't understand the volume that flows through OTC. It's wild, right? You don't see it on spot, obviously. Um, it's, it, 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 you know, and I think that's going to become even greater. And if you hear about, I don't want to harp on the micro strategy CEO too much, but if you hear about how he acquired that much Bitcoin without budging the price, he did it in off chain. He did it in thousands, tens of thousands of small transactions over a week or two, or I think a few weeks. And so I think the, you know, that, so that's the kind of the corporate model, but the high net worth individuals are going to come in OTC and they're going to want the utmost security. And they're going to do this kind of idea of collaborative custody of a family office coming in who has a few stakeholders in the family office who want to hold the keys. Perhaps they live in different areas and they can sign and Unchained can actually also sign as well. So you can have the, the family office head and Unchained can sign the, uh, the, the multi-sig for you as well. So that actually really excites me. It's sort of a, you know, no one's talking about it. And I kind of like that fact that no one's talking about it. Everyone's talking about DeFi and stuff and, and, and stable coins. There's certainly interesting stuff going on there. But I just have to throw that out there that I'm quite excited about some of the Bitcoin stuff as well. And I think um, at some point, it sort of will suck the air out of the room again, as it does later in cycles. And I think um, right now you have kind of liquidity bouncing back and forth between altcoins, kind of back into large caps, back into altcoins, into the new DeFi thing, into sort of sloshing around. And at some point, dominance will shift. But again, I think we're probably only 30 to 40% through that. And sort of once we're kind of 80% through the cycle, I think dominance will start to shift perhaps. So just high level numbers I'm, I'm thinking about. But um, I'm, I'm still very bullish on, on, on Bitcoin and then the thesis there and the brand there and sort of the, the community there. So I wanted to throw that out there because we've been talking about the other stuff uh, entirely. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm yeah. I'm 100% with you. I mean, you know, especially when we see some consolidation, right? It's it's you know we're going to consolidate towards Bitcoin, um, and and you know I, I think you know when you talk about real money coming into the space, right? You know, exactly. real institutions, real pensions, um, you know, allocating and 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 you know even larger family offices and and uh, you know you know uh, you know they're they're not they're not buying you know, hot dog finance. They're not buying kimchi finance, right? They're, they're looking to buy Bitcoin and they yeah, need serious, serious infrastructure, serious solutions. And, you know, I think, I think, you know, just, just broadly speaking, I mean, all of the advancements that we're seeing, whether it's, you know, cracking, you know, getting a banking license in Wyoming, right. Or, or, you know, yesterday or a few days ago, uh, you know, the, the launch of, of S Fox's dark pool. Um, and, and, you know, all the, the, you know, the new custody solutions that we're seeing, you know, this, this massive, you know, move to prime brokerage that we're seeing with Genesis launching their own prime brokerage. And I think Bitco may be going down that route. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's so much there. And I think all this infrastructure, as much as it's not sexy, uh, it is yeah, incredibly exactly. important for, for, yeah, for bringing these kind of, people into the space. It seems boring on the surface. There's going to be less headlines, but man, where there's kind of the boring stuff that works and it's infrastructure, that's actually where a lot of the upside lives. We just kind of don't see it yet in the headlines. It's not but it's kind of the long infrastructure game that has been going on for years um, on the custody side, on, on the broke brokerage side. So yeah, certainly that's probably still the number one area in the long view I'm excited about. And I think just, you know, specifically in DeFi, look, I think, you know, there's some interesting things going on. I think, you know, obviously these food coins are absurd. The unaudited smart contracts are absurd. I, I don't, I just think they're huge distractions. I guess every bull market, bull market, excuse me, has these sort of distractions and entrance and get rich quick things. It's you know is what it is. Um, but I do think there are some interesting things. I think you know I, I do think you know when I guess everyone's mentioning Wi-Fi and we have to talk about it. I think uh, and we you know 
full disclosure, did invest in Wi-Fi back in July, and it's been quite the ride. Um, and, and and really, um, it was you know the focus on I think part of it again was what we talked about the, the kind of the the, poly, the uh, mission. Obviously, it's very deflationary, 30k sort of fully circulated. The launch was something I haven't quite seen before. The founder doesn't even really have, um, was not enriched by any means. And, and sort of the founding you know, developer, rather lead developer, um, clearly very talented. It was clear from the get-go, poly- polymath type person, integrator type person. Um, but anyway, specifically that use case, um, I also think is interesting. I don't know how it's going to pan out. I think there's going to be probably an implosion. There already has been some hacks. There's going to be some kind of liquidity implosion that occurs. It's highly risky. But I think the use case of sort of automated robo-advisory is quite interesting. We actually invested in another company called Staked, and they do infrastructure for all these. It's kind of like bison trails. They compete in that world. Um, Infrastructure for staking um, uh, uh, protocols. And uh, they also have a robo-advisory use case that's automated and kind of bounces back between yield and it's kind of a side product. I always thought that was cool. And here, you know, then then Yearn comes out with this much more robust version of it. Um, and and so, you know, I, I think uh, that's a really interesting use case. I don't know what's going to happen specifically with that environment, but it's a quite interesting launch as well of sort of this sovereign um, uh, global entity sort of that, that just kind of came together in a decentralized way. I mean, it's kind of a, a cool story. I mean, I, and I, that's kind of another reason why, why we, why we put some, some money there. Um, and beyond that, I think stable coins again are, are really, really quite, you know, the killer app in a lot of ways as well within DeFi and we're, we're seeing that, that adoption. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you have any, any other questions on DeFi, but I, well, I just wanted to, yeah. No, I mean, I, I look, I, you know, we, 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 dive in a lot. So I think I, I, I like your perspective. It's, it's, it's refreshing and I think it's, it's realistic as well. Right. You know, these, it, you know, everything you're saying makes sense, right. You know, the, these pro these, a lot of these protocols will get hacked, right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation going on, but speculation is a good thing, right. You need speculation to kind of feel the growth of anything. Um, and, you know, you need things to get hacked to make them better. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's certainly a lot of nonsense going on, you know, probably 98% of what's going on is nonsense, but, you know, I, it seems like we're actually seeing some utility. And I, I think the robo advisor, you know, comment that you made is also one that, that that's quite interesting, but you really quickly just alluded there to stable coins being a, you know, a, a great, you know, use case for crypto. And I'd love to kind of, you know, go in at least a little bit into to why you think that's the case and, and what, what particular use cases really intrigue you and, and why you think they're growing as fast as they are. Yeah, I think the so I think part of it, I mean, obviously, Tether is taking a lion's share. And a lot of that's, you know, the kind of the dollarization thesis where you know, people around the world want access to the dollar, they want it an easy way, they want to be able to transfer that between assets into crypto out of crypto, or even just hold Tether and, and, and use that. I think that, you know, that, that has absolutely blown up. Um, you know, there's some other state, obviously, USDC, I believe, just passed 2 billion. And I think it's just a really interesting way to kind of hold your cash. Obviously, the yield on these things alone are not any, I mean, they're like 1%. They're not much better if you hold, you know, hold it in these accounts. Um, but I think it's also the, so I know, I know a bunch of folks who have done investments in USDC. There's, at, the, at the time, there was very low fees. I guess that's kind of changed now. So I can, that allure, unfortunately, is, well, but if you're way, still writing yeah, a half yeah. a million dollar check, it's still, uh, you know, that's it's true. That's true. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of the actually high fees are from Uniswap swaps, which are a little bit different than just the, the, the transfer as well. Um, the execution of those types of uh, uh, trades are, are, are yield much higher gas fees than just a, a transfer. So, yeah, the, the fees actually are still alluring. 
but I, I just worry that yeah, it'll, it'll start to scare people away if they see see some of the broader uh, fee issues. But um, yeah, I think I think there's just kind of that that transfer in and out of crypto, holding your cash in there, sort of having you know having that be frictionless, having it on some of these bro- uh, crypto kind of platforms. I think it's I think it's sort of a good bridge, and it's a really interesting way into. It. I think also as we get into mobile. I sort of look at mobile as being the panacea of when this will all sort of come to more, you know, mainstream. We're getting there. If you look at some of the the, the mobile apps and wallets, I mean, you can hold funds, you can transfer them, you, you uh, hold stable coins, you can hold crypto, you can um, you can stake it in there, you can do all sorts of utility within a mobile app and kind of at your fingertips. I think having a MetaMask on your PC, having the Chrome extension configuring the gas. I think, you know, again, I, a lot of people can do it. It's fine. I want people to get educated on that. I want everyone to be able to do that or everyone who wants to. Um, but yeah, it's still, you know, I think mobile lends itself to a lot of these things. So I think like the combination of stable coins and mobile and having this kind of more global aspect of sending money easily. I mean, I do a ton of wire transfers um, to Asia. Uh, my wife's family's there. And, and anyway, so I, I, I do a lot of those international wire transfers and Slow fees are insane. Yeah, so I think remittance, remittance use case for stable coins holding that value is really really interesting. Um, it's just a great bridge. Yeah, it's been clearly. I mean, from a market cap perspective, it's just been parabolic. So yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think remittances are the best use case. I mean, we send f- transfers to Asia all the time, and I pay like forty bucks a tr- wire transfer. Um, yeah. You know, if not more. And it's just, it's absurd. It doesn't make any sense. So when you're sending, you know, five wire transfers for 40 bucks, you know, uh, each you're, uh, we're, you know, you're spending 2,500 bucks a year set, sending money, which just doesn't make any yeah. sense. So, um, you know, kind of getting back, uh, you know, really quickly um, to, you know, your positions, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, kind of the, the you know, the different investment time horizons that you have and, um, you know, and, and some of those, you know, lockup periods ending. So my question is, what makes you decide it's the right time to actually exit a position? Yeah, it's interesting. I think, uh, you know, we, we also kind of we treat Bitcoin and Ethereum as venture bets as well. in a kind of a, a horizon sense. It's a long horizon you know, investment, five, 10 years at least. I think so. It's interesting because we're in a place right now where, again, a lot of these things are going live. And some of them have staking components where perhaps we want to participate in, in that. Where we probably, we definitely will for scale. For example, they have something called proof of use, where you actually every investor needs to to show the utility they need to stake. And they just raised five million dollars on consensus uh, platform. They actually had fifty million of indicated interest and raised five million from I think four thousand people around the world. So pretty cool, actually, um, what they did. Um, so anyways, we'll definitely be like participating where we can on staking and other things and kind of kind of helping to to push the projects on social and whatnot and, and talk about them um, from exiting a position. It's funny, you know, on any of the venture bets, we haven't really <laughs> um, from 2018. We were sort of. Um, yeah, I mean, it has, it's only been about two and a half years. We haven't sold anything as far as I remember of any of those kind of pre network launches. But I think it's going to kind of run uh, hand in hand with the cycle itself. I think if, you know, the bull cycle plays out, like we think it's going to play out how we've positioned ourselves on our other large cap bets. I think it'll sort of play out in parallel to that. And we'll kind of have to, you know, put our ear to the ground on that. And, you know, our, our kind of the experience we have managing kind of these kind of the volatility and, and assets in this industry specifically, I think we'll kind of, we'll have a good idea when to shave positions off and, and, and take some off the table. Um, and certainly if there's a, you know, a, a massive parabolic run up, I mean, you know, we're still here to, to take some profit. And so we're not, you know, we're, we're definitely venture looking at it like venture, right? Um, longer term, but if there's a cycle, 
um, you know, we'll definitely take some off the table on some of the, the kind of the two, three year bets as well. We just haven't really gotten to that point. It's kind of happening as we speak. And um, we've actually doubled into a couple of them as well. There's been a ocean protocol um, is, is one bet where we uh, in March. That was, we actually a, added that was to a big it. bet that uh, that played out pretty well for you, I'm, I'm assuming. It did. It did. Yeah. Cause they, you know, they, they were listed and, um, and they got beaten up initially and it was a really tough, uh, time they had initially cause it was just in the heart of the bear market. And, uh, and, but, but what I saw with the team, uh, they're, they're based out of Berlin, really solid guys and Singapore as well. Um, yeah, I just saw it doubling down. There was zero f- blinking on that price action. They're like, nope, we're in it. We're, so I just saw the and conviction. I, I, I double doubled down and yeah, it was one of the better bets for sure. And didn't, didn't they, didn't they get a Binance listing a couple of weeks or months that, ago that was as well? Huge too. Yeah. And I was sort of waiting, uh, sort of waiting with bated breath on that for sure. Um, but yeah, I think hopefully, you know, they have some U S stuff coming soon. It's always been, that's, that's the other interesting part about this whole thing is that as kind of a, a venture investor in this space, you know, a lot of folks in 2018 invested kind of in that horizon, you know, we're kind of seeing Asia list and we're sorry, I mentioned this before, you're sort of you know, sitting on the sidelines being like, okay, I really hope the Asia, you know, uh, a strategy plays out. So a lot of these guys are hiring Asia teams or Asia ambassador types who are kind of promoting some of the usage there. You see that with Blockstack as well. They just uh, launched out in Hong Kong, a subsidiary. Um, so you're seeing that, you know, uh, that, that, that need for Asia to, for success, I think in that, in the token space. Um, but yeah, we're sort of seeing that play out now, I suppose if, if the cycle wills it, we will, uh, We'll we'll have selling strategies lined up now. And have you guys thought about getting into any more you know short term discretionary trading, or is it is it definitely you know continuing to take more of those venture bets? It's been so some of those one offs I mentioned, uh, and it's been uh, like Ocean, and then it's been um, really you know adding to the Bitcoin and Ethereum base, and it's kind of unique in the sense that you know as we find upside in crypto, and if we see a very hot venture deal occur in parallel it sort of helps it it can maybe perhaps help fund that to a degree and so we've seen this sort of positive feedback loop where sometimes we'll we'll, kind of pull out positions uh, and and sort of and and look to um reinvest that about out into venture at least a portion of it um it sort of depends on the scenario for the check size for the venture venture bet um uh, sorry sorry what your question was um about sorry what was your question no, just like, you know, you know, short-term discretionary trading, if that's something that, you know, you're doing yeah, or yeah, at least been tempted sorry. to do. Yeah, I think a, a little bit, right? It's mostly just long bets back into the space, like in Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then again, I mentioned we did, we, we made a couple of trades into, into, um, into, into Wi-Fi um, uh, and, and, uh, and Nexus Mutual for, for DeFi, just those kind of interesting bets, audited kind of solid team bets. You know, it's very high risk, we understand, but yeah. Um, yeah, those are kind of, but again, I mean, short term would still be kind of at least the length of what we see the cycle could be. So short term in this sense would be, you know, six months, nine months kind of thing. See how, see how it plays out. And so what worries you most about crypto and what has you most excited about the space right now? So I think what worries me most, um, you know, I, I, I hate to see the deep correlation with stocks. I mean, I, I again, I, I understand, I think after the March liquidation across all assets, I think everything kind of recorrelated in a really different way. I think if you look at historically, Bitcoin hasn't has been uncorrelated, not not negative correlation, but, you know, uncorrelated. There's a lot of data around uncorrelated um, aspects. So on a long horizon. Right. So. Um, I, I haven't liked to see that, um, you know, you, you wake up, you know, I check the stock market every day still, obviously. And I'm kind of like, you're looking at futures and you're, you're looking at crypto and you're kind of 
seeing it go hand in hand, and it's a little bit um, discouraging. Uh, you, you want that decoupling to occur. I understand. I mean, why one thing to keep in mind is yeah, the yeah. stock market is not correlated to the old <laughs> stock market either. So, yeah, yeah, no, no everything. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not the same stock market. <laughs> No, exactly. A number number go up. I guess it's been getting hit a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's 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 an interesting time right now. And I think that ever since that March liquidation, um, you know, um, it's been it's been kind of very heavily correlated. So that it doesn't worry me existentially. Um, I think what kind of worries me maybe more existentially, and people bring up all these different things like governments banning it, all this stuff. And yeah, that's certain. There's legal risk and all this stuff, right? Um, yeah, uh, maybe some risk there, but I, I, my biggest concern actually existentially is just lack of adoption. Like people don't see the utility, they don't, you know, see the purpose, they don't understand, you know, the, the, the learning curve remains too high. Um, you know, and just the, you know, the onboarding remains just, people aren't alert to it. Now that's not happening. We're seeing, you know, more people than ever own one, a whole Bitcoin, their wallets are going up, you know, hash rates going up, all of these fundamentals are going up, um, generally speaking. But, um, if anything, yeah, that's kind of my bigger concern is just the lack of adoption cycle. But I, again, I have clearly I'm in this space for a reason. I, I believe that's going to happen. But um, yeah, the pace of which it happens and some other things um, are probably my, my bigger concern, um, which is probably a rare one. I think more people are talking about governments banning it, which, uh, yeah, could happen. We could have mining banned one day, who knows, um, in, in the U.S. or at least cut down on. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, that, it'll still thrive, I think. It'll just find a new a new place. And I think you kind of got at it earlier with the the um, the 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 uh, the announcement that the Treasury announcement that we kind of dove into. But you know what 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 has you most excited about the space? Is it that micro strategy announcement, or is is there anything else? Yeah, I think that I think we kind of touched on it. Probably that's to me if that can be replicated and we see more of that. I think that is the the coolest use case you could imagine that treasury use case uh, of an inflation hedge. And I think, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, uh, you know, inflation hasn't happened yet. And all of a sudden, I mean, I think, you know, if you look at asset prices, I think there's an argument to say, you know, it's, it's there or it's, it's, it's being reflected there maybe uh, in this kind of new market that you mentioned, this new world we're living in, but that's kind of a deeper, another whole nother topic. But um, I think that's an awesome use case. Yeah. The digital gold use of case I think has really, really, uh, you know, strong mind share. And it sort of does resonate. It's very good marketing. Obviously, Grayscale has done an awesome job also marketing that to the younger folks to understand, you know, what gold was and what gold is. And I'm still a fan of gold, certainly. But how Bitcoin's kind of this, you know, high tech play on that use case, I think is uh, still probably my favorite use case in the space as, as far as I as far as I as far as I can see so far. So yeah, that, and then I think I mentioned before just the mobile aspect, I think. And I think, um, you know, I think adoption can only happen with mobile. And so as these wallets get more, um, uh, you know, usable, um, I think hardware wallets can be more usable. We actually just invested in foundation devices, open source hardware, and they're sort of really making um, uh, the hardware aspect and kind of this air-gapped wallet really sexy you know ledger hasn't done much in that area i mean i'm a big fan of ledger and trezor don't get me wrong but they haven't done much in the area and i think um so i'm certainly bullish in that to the hardware aspect getting better um and even being able to run a node and and, and having that very much demystified for the average person and, and kind of the education on why that could be important and why that is important i think is really important is really a big deal and a foundation is kind of framing it as sovereignty and kind of being self-sovereign i think it's a cool way to frame it so that's another area I'm uh, excited about. 
And so my last question is, if you could join any company in crypto as an advisor, who would it be? Oh, man. Um, it's a tough one. Um, any company in crypto as an advisor? Um, There's no right or wrong answer here. So yeah, no, 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 no yeah, big I'm pressure. Trying to, I'm trying to think where I could find the most value. Um, I think um, maybe uh, this is an unknown one. But um, if you if there's a social network, maybe I'll think of a better another one after this. But yeah, um, Minds.com, and I've actually done some work with them. Um, and you know, coming on full time as an advisor there because they're basically, you know, with everything going on with social media right now, um, you know, uh, kind of some of the frustration around Facebook and Twitter. I think people are looking for greener pastures, and so coming on perhaps full time there as an advisor could be very beneficial. Um, otherwise maybe some of the new DEXs, I think I could probably help, um, in that area for, from a UX perspective. Um, I think Paraswap just raised around and, and I think, again, I think DEXs are another really cool application. I probably should have mentioned that. I think that's one of the other lasting staying power areas. I think that, that DeFi perhaps will leave a trail of, um, is, is DEXs and maybe the, the advisory, robo advisory stuff. I think, um, yeah, the DEX aspect is an, another one, certainly. So Maybe that's, maybe I'm sure there's another one I'm not thinking of, but um, yeah, top of my head there. Awesome. Well, well, thanks so much for uh, joining us. I mean, you know, you shared so much knowledge, you know, really appreciate it. And like kind of how, you know, I really enjoyed how, you know, kind of all those passions in your career intertwined and, and how much perspective that's kind of given you on the space. So, you know, how can our listeners, uh, you know, reach out to you or find out more about both yourself and Vissery Capital? Where can they find you online? Yeah, sure. Pretty uh, active on Twitter, um, at least, especially from a kind of a research perspective as well. Um, so it's at Fizan JMK, so F-A-I-Z-A-N-J-M-K. Um, and you can also do at Visory Capital on Twitter as well. We sort of, uh, you know, reshare a lot of our portfolio news and kind of try to support our companies by, you know, resharing their, their, their content. Um, and then, yeah, definitely our blog, uh, visory.io, we're started, starting to, to write more on there, kind of redesigned it. So yeah, those are the writings and the social. And uh, yeah, I, I love being on here, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot.